Welcome to the Natural Health Rising Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, Certified Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner. I'm here to deliver you weekly episodes where you will hear conversations with health experts and solo episodes about functional medicine and all things holistic health. My goal is to provide you with the knowledge and tools you need in order to help you rise to your healthiest, happiest self. Welcome to this episode of the Natural Health Rising Podcast. Today, I have Dustin McFarland with me. Dustin is an FDNP, CNC, a board-certified holistic health practitioner and founder of Serious About Wellness, LLC. While being a personal trainer and a nutritional health coach, Dustin found his passion for helping others with their health. He specializes in getting people out of the cycle of trial and error by focusing on their whole picture, which includes their hormones, immune system, digestion, detoxification, energy systems, and neurological health. With a philosophy of maximizing every aspect of life for him and his clients, he is serious and very passionate about helping people take care of the most important asset of their life, their health. So welcome, Dustin. Oh, you know what? Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. I'm really excited about being here. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy you're here too. Um, I like to start off hearing about people's stories. And so why don't you tell us about how you got into health and wellness and eventually getting into being an FDNP and where you are today? Yeah, you know, I, uh, this journey started young, you know, I was uh, really young. In fact, uh, I mean, we could go all the way back to basically, you know, being born C-section, you know, probably set my microbiome up to not be the most ideal but uh, luckily I was breastfed for two years. So then I ended up uh, uh, probably gaining a little bit, you know, more so than maybe some there. However, when I got off breast milk, started reacting to cow's milk, uh, mom said, you know, to the doctors, you know, he's not doing well with cow's milk. Doctors said he has to be on cow's milk or else, you know, you're basically not treating your child correctly. And of course, you know, this was back in the seventies. And so Anyhow, um, she continued to try different types of cow's milk, lactose-free, raw, on and on. Nothing seemed to work, but she, she kept me on it anyways because, um, you know, the doctor said so, right? So anyhow, um, you know, I uh, ended up with ear infection after ear infection, tonsillitis after tonsillitis, on and on. Uh, so that led to lots of antibiotics. So there, you know, already maybe having a microbiome that wasn't solid and then going into antibiotics was uh, probably not the best scenario. Then, um, you know, after the antibiotics and all that, it just started gut aches, right? Lots of stomach aches. Then it was, it was doctor after doctor and, you know, different uh, procedures, um, you know, scope up, scope down, all of the stuff. And that was actually pretty traumatic, you know, as a kid, you know, I just uh, didn't understand that, couldn't understand why I couldn't live a normal life. But um, anyhow, in the meantime, I got into bodybuilding and uh, I was really heavy into that. And I was like, you know what? I, um, you know, started studying nutrition at like, I think somewhere around 10 or 12 years old. And by the time, by the time of age 15, I was, I was heavy in the bodybuilding and I had um, gained a substantial amount of muscle mass. But um, anyhow, my um, interest was always nutrition. I mean, it just, I could pull up a muscle and fitness magazine and I would be flipping through that. And the first thing I would focus on is a nutrition article long before how to grow your chest bigger, right? Or your biceps bigger, right? And so anyhow, um, nutrition's always been my biggest passion. Well, I uh, um, was, uh, you know, basically going to do, uh, I was going to be a nutritionist, 
although I uh, didn't know that I could just sit through all the schooling, you know, that was kind of a concern, you know, to me was like, so I ended up going to my next favorite thing, which was personal fitness training. And I became certified, started training and still study nutrition and health in every last way I could. Um, started to realize it during that time that, hey, we're the only species that continues to drink another species milk after we're weaned. So I started coming to the conclusion of like, you know, why, why would I need this? I think this is actually causing my, my issues. And through junior high, high school era, uh, even some grade school, you know, I didn't know what was causing it, but I know it's dairy now, but I would actually be debilitated on the toilet. Like I would, I couldn't even move for hours just sitting there because my stomach was in such cramping. And uh, so anyhow, once I eliminated dairy, I was absolutely blown away. I was like, if one food can make this much difference in somebody's health, you know, just by removing it, then I definitely have to study this nutrition thing even more. So um, anyhow, many years of personal training, many years of study of nutrition, still working on my health. I, uh, you know, did my original certified nutrition consultant. Uh, that wasn't enough. You know, I wasn't able to help people completely, right? There wasn't that testing as aspect and I couldn't, uh, you know, do that. So anyhow, that's what led me to FDN. And so I'm really excited that I'm here now that I'm actually able to fully uh, help people with their metabolic chaos, you know, and just get to the bottom of things with uh, being able to do the lab testing. Mm -hmm. You know, what's funny, we have the exact same story, <laughs> like to the T with the milk products. Um, when I was a kid, my entire life, I always had stomach problems, like stomach pains to a point where my mom would take me to the hospital all the time. And she would just be like, I don't know what's wrong with her. Her, She says her stomach hurts. And I was getting, you know, I was drinking all the gross things or doing all the tests on my stomach. And they would just say, oh, she's just constipated. <laughs> and I would be, it would be debil debilitating and I would get migraines as well. I remember coming off the bus as a kid from school every week with just massive migraines. And I would come home and I would just lay in my room in the dark and it was a constant battle of those stomach problems. And then when I finally started got, getting into sports in high school, um, I would have a really hard time breathing. When I did track and field, I did weightlifting. And after running just a little bit, I would be wheezing. The doctors told me I had asthma. And then same thing, I got into bodybuilding and, and I was a, um, did competitive weightlifting, started studying nutrition a little bit on my own. And then one day I was like, I wonder if I should take out milk products. And so I think I was like 18 or 19 and I finally took them out. All of a sudden my asthma was gone. Didn't have stomach problems as bad. Like it, it just blew my mind that this one food could cause so much problems. And I had been eating cheese sticks and milk and all these things my whole life all the time. And yeah, just something so simple. And we don't know this stuff. So yeah, crazy. You know the fitness probably, this might be in your world too, right? The fitness aspect too is that uh, one of the best things to drink is whey protein shakes and casein protein, mm -hmm. right? The molecular casein, right? Would just, it would supposedly stay in your system and be able to, you know, uh, help you grow and be stronger and all of that, you know, like keep you fed throughout the night, right? Because it was, and uh, guess what? You know, casein is actually what I'm most sensitive to, you know? Mm -hmm. And the downside about it, Rachel, was that, when I wanted to go off a of dairy, I ended up um, switching over to soy cheeses at that time 
and rice cheeses and almond cheeses, guess what? All of them back then weren't completely vegan, basically, right? They were made with casein. That's what uh. still gave them their texture and everything. And I didn't have a clue. You know, it was just like, oh, I'm not eating cow cheese. I'm eating almond cheese. I should be fine. And I'm still making myself sick, even though I knew at that point I wasn't supposed to be doing dairy, but I didn't know enough at that point that casein was what I was very, very sensitive to. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, the, um, yeah, the main milk protein, right. is casein. And, um, you know, many people are, are sensitive to it. It's, it's problematic, you know, and the fact that it can even cross the uh, blood brain barrier, right. And, and who knows, maybe be part of the migraines for you, be part of an addiction yeah. story for others, you know? Yeah. Do you think anybody should have dairy products like conventional dairy products? Not conventional by any stretch, you know, I mean, just, you know, that extreme um, heat, you know, with the ultra pasteurization, not good, mm-hmm. right? I don't think we can blow apart this protein like that. The, uh, the, um, high, the, what's the other one that they do to it um, uh, that basically se- separate, homogenize, right? Yeah. When, they, when you separate all the fat molecules, right? So the homogenizing, I think is really problematic. The other thing too, is that I learned quite a bit about the A2, A2 uh, dairy, right? Where you got this whole lot better protein structure that doesn't break apart and cause um, beta casein morphin seven, right? Which is that a protein that's going to slip the blood brain barrier and and attach itself to morphine receptors in the brain. So again, here we are, right? Conventional dairy is going to have that A1, A1 milk and non-conventional uh, meaning that if you found somebody with certified A2A2 and they, of course, um, didn't pasteurize and homogenize, um, you know, made basically raw. So, again, that would be far from the conventional. You know, I think it's available, you know, in some bigger community, you know, like I think uh, maybe I've heard California or something. You can maybe buy raw milk or, or something like that. But mm-hmm. most of the time you have to be part of the cow, right? You have to have a share in the cow and then you can get your. So that might be okay for some, but I don't think conventional dairy is a good thing for anyone. Yeah. I didn't know that about the A2, that it's not, it, you said it's not addictive. Like it doesn't have that opioid receptor, like uh, tendency. Correct. The reason why is that uh, basically there's seven uh, amino acids that in that A1, A1 that bust off basically, and they stay attached, but they don't hold hands well to basically the rest of like casein Casein is somewhere around like 209 amino acids long or something like that. And there are seven of them that bust off and they basically go and they slip the, the brain barrier and they attach to that morphine receptor and cause the addiction or who knows, you know, what in everyone, you know, but yeah, the, um, what they call a beta casein morphine seven, the seven amino acids. Yeah. That's yeah. fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Well, enough about dairy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about oxalates. I know you love talking about this and you've had trouble with oxalates yourself. Can we start by telling people more just about what what they are and where they come from first? Yeah, you bet. You know, one of the things I didn't, of course, tell in my story was that I, you know, thought after going through my uh, certified nutrition consultant, they had really promoted a vegan vegetarian diet. That was what they were promoting in the course. And I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to follow this and be the best uh, nutritionist I can, I'm going to give this a whirl, right? So I went uh, first uh, vegetarian, slowly transitioned into vegan. Then I realized my health still wasn't getting great, which is really the reason I was doing it. 
And so I ended up going raw vegan for the last stint of it. So two years of this vegetarian vegan diet and raw. And uh, what happened was, is I started to include a lot of oxalic acid in my diet unknowingly, right? And so where they come from, Rachel, is really, you know, um, our raw nuts and seeds are heavy in those. And that's going to be a main protein for a raw vegan, right? I mean, that's really where, where it's at. Um, now, there are seeds that don't seem to have very many or very few, and that's pumpkin seed, sunflower, and flax. Those seem to be the ones that are okay. Um, but other than that, you know, all the rest of nuts and seeds are really heavy. So that would be one example. Another well, place is, is that when you're striving after optimal health, you know, and you think that the vegan diet isn't working because you haven't gained the world's best superfood, which is going to be raw cacao or, you know, the, the acai berry, or you need way more berries or whatever it is, or you need more green smoothies. Guess what? All of these things, okay, whether you're drinking green tea, uh, cacao, okay, um, also berries, especially ones that are heavily seeded, like raspberry, strawberry, you know, it's really the seeds. So you can get away with um, eating more cranberry and blueberry because they don't have the oxalic acid because they are the less seeds, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but, you know, and then if you go into that green smoothie trap, oh my goodness, I mean, a complete disaster. What happens is, is that the oxalic acid is water soluble. And so it's actually tied up in all of the fiber. When you blend anything, berries, um, cacao, you know, the, um, uh, how about this, a really common in smoothies, chia seeds, hemp seeds, right? Uh, of course, greens. When you blend all of that, you liberate the oxalic acid and oh my goodness, you have got an issue like no tomorrow going on, be, meaning that you're going to not only liberate them, but typically that type of diet is also very inflammatory. You know, Rachel, you and I have talked about how important the autoimmune paleo approach is because you start to eliminate some of these things like the nuts and seeds, mm -hmm. you know, that, that basically start to create hyperpermeability in the gut. Well, all of us have typically more hyperpermeability than we want, mostly because glyphosate's everywhere, right? That's kind of the big, the big problem. But guess what? You combine uh, hyperpermeability with oxalic acid. Oh my goodness. I mean, we're talking just coming in and, uh, you know, attaching and destroying. Now, most people have heard of oxalic acid through kidney stones. They know what calcium oxalates are. So they're already aware that these things aren't healthy or happy, right, in, in the body. But they aren't aware that basically the, the oxalates um, go a whole lot more places than just kidney, right? We're talking like, you know, in the brain. So brain blood barrier, or we're talking in the mucosal barrier, making that even more permeable. What you can envision, in fact, they can, people can look at this in Google, right? What they can envision oxalic acid to be is glass shards. That's really what they are, a little pokey. You can see there's all different types of them. When you pull up Google images, they can see them on electronic microscopes, just super magnified. Um, but anyhow, I was up to the point uh, when I was personal fitness training and as a vegan, okay, Rachel, I would pull out my filing cabinet when I would grab the next file for the next client. I would reach in the back and I would grab one of my six quart jars of green smoothies. And that's what I lived on every single day because I could put everything in them, right? I could supposedly have all my protein with um, hemp seeds and chia seeds and my nuts. And then I would have all my greens in there and I have all my fruits. And I, 
I thought when I was walking around the gym with these green smoothies and everybody's giving me the, you know, look, I'm going, if you only knew how healthy you could be, right? Mm -hmm. And now I know completely opposite. If you only knew how sick you wanted to make yourself, you could, you could walk around like me with green smoothies. I mean, that's, so anyhow, you know, I, uh, um, I'm really, really passionate about people uh, just understanding that they need to, number one, heal and seal their gut, right? But number two is, is that they can't, they can't overdo this. And so, um, but like we said, you know, um, nut seeds, uh, cacao green tea, uh, um, also berries, right? Heavily seeded. And, uh, but just remember that the greens are really, really heavy. I mean, there's a, there's an oxalate expert out there that she says that two leaves of spinach maxes out your oxalates for the day, Wow. two leaves. And I would put in handful after handful and then dump in Swiss chard, another high oxalate, beet greens, another high oxalate, dandelion greens, another high oxalate in these smoothies. And we're talking, oh my goodness. I mean, uh, yeah. You know, Rachel, you and I run a, a lab called the organic acids test, which will give us mm -hmm. oxalic acid, right? It will show us that. Well, um, the, the developer of that test, Dr. William Shaw, right? He wrote his uh, article years ago that's super prevalent. You can find it anywhere, but it's called the green smoothie revolution is a paved highway to oxalate health. And he is mm. exactly right. I mean, my joints were wrecked. My brain was wrecked. My gut was wrecked. You know, I just could not get a break until I found out that oxalic was doing it. And the day I took them out, I slept better. I mean, and that's typically the first result that people have when they take oxalic acid out is they just sleep better. They don't have all that agitation to the kidneys, the bladder, which gets mm. you up at night, you know, and so forth. But anyhow, as you can see, I'm pretty wound up about oxalates. Did you know that the air in your home is potentially two to five times more polluted than the outside air? Chemical pollutants actually build up in the air in our home from building products, mattresses, furniture, carpet, and paint because whatever chemicals are in those things actually slowly off gas into our home over time. And exposure to air pollutants has been linked to asthma, respiratory irritation, and even cancer. And another thing I see a lot nowadays is mold and mold illness. There's actually mold in homes much more often than we think. And it affects everybody a little bit differently, but what it winds up doing is it really suppresses your immune system and it can show up as a wide variety of symptoms from chronic sinus issues to migraines and even autoimmune diseases. And I was actually exposed to mold at a few points in my life and this contributed to my toxic burden and my autoimmune disease as well. And I had to work really hard to detoxify my body from it, get out of those environments, and now I just continue to make sure that the air in my home is as clean as possible to really reduce that toxic burden and any kind of stress on my body. So one way for you to make sure that the air in your home is not loaded with these toxins is to grab an additional air purification system like HypoAir products. So their technologies get rid of up to 99.9% .9 of viruses, mold, bacteria, chemicals, odors, and dust. I have a couple of their products and I absolutely love them. I actually have one of their smaller filters called the Germ Defender, which I travel with 
for hotel rooms and Airbnbs. And then I have a couple of their other products for my own home. So go try out one of their systems for yourself or maybe you wanna grab it as a gift for somebody. But either way, you can save money by using the code NATURALHEALTHRISING. So head over to hypoair.com, which is spelled H-Y-P-O-A-I-R.com, and use the code NATURALHEALTHRISING to save money and start making your home cleaner and safer for your entire family. Yeah, no, I love it. This is, this is good. Do you, what is that? Is there a balance for you now? Like, do you consume any of those things? Is there a way to moderate this? You know, it's, it's been said that it takes a long time for them to come out. So it really is a, like, we're talking seven to 10 years for them to really come out. And so anyhow, I hit it hard for the first like two years ish of where I wasn't consuming hardly any oxalates, you know, um, and, um, and then I was also doing a lot of citric acid. So citric acid from lemon juice, citric mm-hmm. acid from like potassium, um, citrate and also, you know, magnesium citrate, you know, that citric acid helps to break those oxalic crystals out down and get them out of the system. So anyhow, but to answer your question, Rachel, I am back to maybe, um, a little bit of moderation in, certain things, you know, and it's, it's not, it's not excessive by any stretch of the matter. But for an example, like, you know, we have a big garden and during the season where I want to eat some tomatoes and some peppers, I don't seem to have the inflammatory uh, response that nightshades give people. However, I know that they're high in oxalates. So I don't go completely crazy, but during the season, I seem to do okay. And uh, I just, or, or, I see, I'm seem to be all right, but I, I'm doing a little bit of that. And that would be an example, you know, um, not eliminating every single strawberry or raspberry or whatever, like I used to, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I started uh, with, again, the garden started making some pesto this summer. Uh, there for a while, I was just using straight sunflower seeds instead of the walnuts, right? Now I've added a little bit of walnut here and there, you know, again, it's not, you know, tons. But yeah, I think there's a moderation. One of the things that's happened though is that by me giving myself a break, I was able to really heal the gut. And so mm-hmm. that'll help me not probably absorb quite a bit or as much oxalic acid. Mm-hmm. What's well, an ample amount of time for people to remove these things and heal their gut? Yeah, I think it really depends on how serious they are, you know, as far as, you know, are they, are they wanting to, you know, do the, do like juice a full lemon every day, you know, at least to get that, you know, lemon juice in there to clear that. Are they wanting to make sure they stay consistent on their potassium and their magnesium citrates? Um, are they, you know, eliminating them, you know, as much as possible, you know? Um, so I would say that, you know, if somebody's serious about it, they could make a big stride in a year, you know, a big stride. Um, but if they're, if they're just kind of dabbling or whatever, you know, and they, they want to just do moderation, you know, they, it might take them more like five years, you know, is mm. kind of my okay. to, to start feeling better, you know, like, oh man, no longer are my joints being a problem or whatever. Mm-hmm. What about <clears throat> the connection between mold and yeast and oxalates? Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. You bet. That is a huge one. You know what, Rachel, I'm glad that you had mentioned that. And the reason why is that I think that was a component of my world is that as I, I went on a really extensive um, microbial killing protocol 
um, you know, once I had learned FDN and really the balance and how do we address biofilms and how do we bind this out and all of that, I really do feel like that made my oxalic acid also come down dramatically because right now there's kind of a, there's still this unknown in the industry of like, does um, candida and mold and yeast, do they create oxalates or do, does oxalic acid basically um, a, an avenue for them to thrive? You know, basically like who, what, what exactly, but we just know that there's a major connection um, over and over, right? In that organic acids testing, we see, um, you know, uh, candida come up and then sure enough, you know, right there is oxalic yeah. acid. And I really don't think that I would have made the strides in getting rid of the oxalic acid, have my levels come down if I hadn't got that candida under control, which you, you and I know that, that all it takes is one round of antibiotics, which I had more than that by leaps and bounds, right? Mm -hmm. To immediately throw that microbiome off and allow that candida to be so opportunistic that it'll take advantage of an environment of low microbiome. So yes, um, anybody who has mold, anybody who has yeast, uh, candida, that has to be a focus that has to be an address. Well, guess what? When you're doing a vegan diet and you're gonna be consuming these oxalate heavy foods, you're also gonna be consuming a carb rich diet too, right? Which is only going to feed and make that mold and candida thrive even mm -hmm. more heavily. Yeah. Um, would you say that there's a strong connection between fibromyalgia and oxalates? I would say huge. I really yeah. would. The reason why is because, you know, uh, knowing how agitating oxalates are, how free floating they are throughout the body and how neurologically damaging they are to the body. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I would say that they are, you know, um, uh, a problem, you know, when it comes to fibromyalgia, fibromyalgia you know, again, um, you know, a lot of times doctors might, right. Just put it kind of this, um, you know, unknown of like, oh, you just got this you know, nerve pain, basically, right? This nerve pain going on and it's just, it's just fibromyalgia. So we're going to put that label on it. And, uh, you know, just again, knowing what the nerve pain does. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, there is, uh, um, it to the point, okay, Rachel, there's so much nerve pain going on that it can definitely affect both women and men's reproductive organs, which are highly neurologically sensitive. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, there's a vulva um, uh, pain foundation out there, right? And they basically connect that that highly, highly connects oxalic acid to women's vulva pain. I definitely experienced the testicle pain dramatically when I had oxalates, you know, building up heavily in my body. And, and that was so nice to finally have that go away, you know, when I got rid of oxalic acid, but I had no clue, um, thought for sure that, you know, I mean, you, you always think the worst, right? Like, oh, I'm going to have you know, testicle cancer or something, mm -hmm. and, you know, especially, you know, I was um, heavily into cycling. I still am, but I was heavily into cycling when Lance Armstrong, right. Had to have one testicle removed. And then you have this thought, right. Of like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, that's going to be me someday or whatever, you know? So anyhow, I'm really glad, you know, oxalic acid has freed me from that also. Yeah. I'm glad you got that all figured out. Yeah. Um, any other things you want to mention about oxalates before we move on? You know, I think that's probably good, huh? Yeah. That was, that was quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to talk about iron a little bit because I think this is a really interesting topic where conventional medicine really says that many, many people are iron deficient. 
we see a lot of people with anemia and a lot of people on iron pills. But from what I've been reading, there's actually, it seems to be that there may be too much iron and not enough copper with some people. What are, what are your thoughts on this and iron toxicity or iron deficiency? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm glad that you'd brought that up, Rachel, and the fact that I've had iron issues quite a bit in the, in the past. You know, I was working with a chiropractor one time and <clears throat> he said to me, uh, you know what, I, uh, I want to test your iron. So he did, right? And uh, not that we get the very, we don't get the very best testing of iron most of the time, right? There's just, yeah. it's not the, uh, all that we need to look at. But anyhow, he basically called me up like the day he got me my results back. And he says, I know what all your problems are. You have hemochromatosis, right? Well, anyhow, you know, that's basically a genetic disorder for storing too much iron, you know, and he says, that's what's going on. That's why all of your, you're basically storing iron everywhere. Well, later, guess what? We realize that it's not iron. It's actually oxalic acid that's actually creating all of the, the problems. However, I did have quite high iron. Now we're talking nothing like people have when they have hemochromatosis. You know, mm -hmm. when people have hemochromatosis, they're basically, you know, um, ferritin can be up to like 1300, maybe even more than that. I think I was like 280 or something around there. Okay. You know? So anyhow, nothing that was that, that, that extreme. However, um, doing more and more studying like yourself on iron, I realized that it is very um, oxidizing to the body. We, when we have over excessive amounts, we are going to have free radical damage pretty substantially everywhere. Okay. Well, just like you said, okay, well, what, what's going on here? Why do we have this over iron, you know, why, why, what's going on there? Well, I really do think it's a copper imbalance, you know, looking into how the copper's basically been um, taken out of the soil, right? Just because like every mineral, I mean, it's not just copper, mm -hmm. but every mineral's basically been taken out of soil. And then us basically fortifying our, you know, um, processed foods with metal filings. I mean, unbelievable, right? That we, we would bring in a all of this iron and not have the copper, you know, bioavailability to deal with all of it. And Ariel, as you learn more and more about nutrition, and uh, you and I have had this conversation before, I think that we are basically dirt and bugs. And that's really it. And the reason why is because I worked for a mineral company for many years, and I was their product specialist and educator. And so I studied minerals a ton. And that is really the dirt part is that we need all of these trace minerals into our world and, and, and um, you know, of course, macro and micro both. But uh, anyhow, if we don't have that imbalance, we are not going to be healthy, okay? And if we don't have the bugs, right, which would be our microbiome, which you and I've talked about some already, if we don't have that imbalance, we're not going to be healthy. Well, one of the things I learned about the minerals is like you had just mentioned with the iron and the copper, every mineral has their co-partner. I mean, you know, if not multiple, but at least one co-partner that's huge, right? So I think most of us have probably heard, your audience, I would imagine, has heard, you aren't going to take a bunch of iodine without balancing with selenium. That's just not, that's not a good thing. That, that co-partner needs to be there. You're going to deplete one and not the other and so forth. Um, same thing with basically, you know, uh, chromium and vanadium, right? That's another huge one is that, you know, this chromium's massive for balance of blood sugar. Well, it needs to have uh, vanadium in there too. We need to have this balance. So anyhow, copper and iron would be that same way. 
And I really do think that that's really the biggest issue is that we have over iron mm -hmm. from whatever, right? And we have under copper. Now, here's a pretty cool thing now is that basically now that I give blood on a regular basis, right? And I was able to get my iron down another probably just internal stressor that we don't always think about. And this is what you and I focus on. But anyhow, um, now that I've been able to get that down, when I eat my iron in heavy sources, because I don't eat any processed food, that's just not my world um, that they're going to fortify. Um, when I get my iron, right, it's going to be from organ meats, mm -hmm. from animals. What's in organ meats? Probably the most bioavailable copper there is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what else? On my property here, I've got beehives. What's the second most bioavailable, basically, um, uh, copper source? Bee um, pollen. So oh. that's another amazing source of, you know, getting your, um, uh, your copper. So anyhow, I've got two amazing natural sources to bring in, you know, bioavailable copper. And then when I do get my iron, which would be from a natural source and not fortified food, I'm going to be able to deal with that. Okay. Um, I'm going to assume, have you read the book, Cure Your Fatigue by Morley Robbins? I haven't, but he is definitely one of those that, uh, you know, is um, kind of brought, shed a lot of light, right, on the copper and the iron. Mm -hmm. That sure. book is amazing. It is, it's definitely very heavily scientific, and he talks basically in, you know, biochem terms, the whole book, but he, he will break it down to where general people can understand it as well. But yeah, he goes into everything that you just talked about, um, you know, the fortified foods and Iron overload and bio bio unavailable copper and all of that kind of stuff. So that's a really good resource for people if they want to read more into that stuff. And it really changes your mind on understanding anemia and just how everything is kind of backwards in conventional medicine. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He, he would be the best resource that I could say, you know, and, and certainly he has all those, uh, you know, YouTubes and podcasts and things, right. You can uh, mm -hmm. do if you don't do the book also but that book sounds great yeah how do you consume the bee pollen like what's the dosage or how often are you having that you know typically they don't recommend that you um, start very fast if you're not used to it it can certainly okay. you know cause a, a allergic reaction or whatever right it's a it's a it's pollen from all of these different plants which people are typically going to be reactive to or can be reactive to the pollen so basically you want to start out they the recommendation is like one to two just little granulars that's it oh. you know one to two granulars see how you react if everything's good you can work yourself up to one or two teaspoons a day you know and just get it just get it in however you want to again if you're if you're doing some kind of a you know a protein smoothie you could mix it in with there if you're you could sprinkle it on salad i mean you can mix it into you know any nut butters that you're, you know, consuming, you know, on whatever, you know, that type of thing. Okay. Awesome. Um, let's talk about vitamin D a little bit. What is the importance of vitamin D and how should people actually be getting this in to their life? <laughs> you know what, uh, when you had mentioned that I actually felt just a little bit sad and here's why. Okay. Is because I absolutely love the sun. Okay. I just can't get enough. And um, on um, September 24th, which was just two days ago or whatever, uh, is the last day of vitamin D in Colorado. 
mm. from the sky. Okay. So what happened was, is that, you know, years ago, I used to go by the motto, basically, that if your shadow was shorter than you are, okay, whenever, whatever time of day, if your shadow was shorter than you are, and I would be out there stepping it out, okay, um, if you're, you would get vitamin D. Well, then, you know, um, Dr. Mercola had this um, website from the U.S. Navy that basically talked about what the altitude of the sun had to be, basically, to penetrate the skin to basically get that cholesterol, cholesterol synthesis to make vitamin D in, in the, the skin, right? Well, it comes out to be that in, in Colorado, from St. Patrick's Day, March 17th to the 24th of September, okay, was basically when the sun was going to be at the altitude where we could actually have an, uh, enough penetration through the skin. One of the things that he described there is that if you have uh, the sunniest amazing day, let's say in the fall, like it is, is today, you, you, might be, you might be able to get burnt because there's, there's UVB rays out there, which is what produces vitamin D. However, the, it's not intense enough to get through the skin and, and, and create that synthesis of vitamin D. Okay? Mm -hmm. So anyhow, you know, I basically, um, this morning, believe it or not, Rachel, I actually did my vitamin D test. So I, I like to keep track of like, how am I going into winter? What kind of reserve have I built? Well, one of our goals is not to burn our skin, right? We, we know that that's not a healthy scenario whatsoever. Um, however, we also know the other goal is not to sun starve our body, right? Mm -hmm. that's, not, that's not the goal. And so we really do need to find this balance. So if somebody finds, um, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes at the most to basically be out in that sun and get it maximum skin exposure during that, you know, the optimal times of the day. And in Colorado, it was always around one-ish was always the best. Um, but anyhow, if they, um, uh, you know, do that on a regular basis, they're going to build that vitamin D in their body, okay? Well, vitamin D is absolutely critical for so many, um, you know, uh, functions in the body. It's actually a hormone rather than a vitamin, right? But one of the things that I depend on it for is I depend on it to maintain a healthy mood. I can see dramatically when I don't have enough vitamin D, my mood is not where it should be, right? So mm -hmm. that would be number one. Number two is, is definitely maintain a healthy immune system. Right? There's probably no better, you know, um, uh, vitamin or, or substance out there that you could get for your immune system right? You could do, you could do um, other amazing things. Let's say that you took all these amazing herbs, right? That were all immune stimulants or boosting of immune system. They're still not going to even do half the work vitamin D is. So we really have to make sure. And then the other thing is, is that I, I have a lot of cancer in my family, right? And I had, I had a cousin die at age 34, I believe it was of cancer. And I had asked him, I said, what's your vitamin D levels at right now? And he says, I don't know. I've, they've never been checked. I'm like, are you serious? You know, this is something that we know is the most amazing thing for keeping you healthy and you haven't had it checked and you've already had all of this. Uh, I think at that time, uh, no, I don't think yet, but real close to him having his leg removed. Right. Um, you know, because of the, because of cancer. And so anyhow, I had him go get it checked. So he had to request it and do it. And he was at, at 19, Rachel, oh. I mean, absolutely unacceptable by all, you know, measures, right? Mm -hmm. He was at 19. And, uh, you know, um, if people, if your audience is not familiar with this, 
the range for the medical world is running from 30 nanograms to um, per milliliter to 100, right? And normally the doctors are thrilled, right? If you're above 30, everything's great. Like don't even look any further. My studies in vitamin D has said that if you aren't above 50, you are only regulating calcium through the kidneys to basically keep you alive. And, every, and you're not doing all these other things that I was just telling you about. You're not getting the immune boosting. You're not getting the mood support. You're not going to be helping your bone mass, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have this, this level that is above um, 50. And so what I really do is I, I go from basically what Dr. David Perlmutter, I believe it said in his book, Grain Brain, I believe it was in there, that he says that any time in your life that you get below 80, you are, you, are, you are putting your body at serious risk for neurological disease and all kinds of stuff he had, he had talked about. But, um, but anyhow, so really important that we have our levels up, upwards. Um, you know, I can remember that the time that I did have my doctor check it, Rachel, I got a call and they were way concerned. They were like, Dustin, you're at 73 on your vitamin D. You need to stop doing what you're doing. If you're taking any supplements, if you're out in the sun, you need to stop right now because you are getting vitamin D toxic. And so anyhow, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I know you and I want to kind of put to rest, right? Is to really mm -hmm. bring out the, you know, the true information about like, wow, this is so critical. We need good levels of vitamin D, not just you know, these uh, mediocre that are keeping us alive by regulating calcium through the kidneys, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, really important. Rachel, there's so many nuances about vitamin D that are, that are kind of interesting. Like when you go and sunbathe, you can't come in then and you can't take a shower. Like the, the oils on your skin and all of that need to basically resonate on there for a while and penetrate in. And then when you do take a shower, don't take one with chlorine. Don't take one too hot. Don't soap your entire body. Those things right there strip away those oils that your body needs so bad to make that vitamin D. And so those are those are some little things that people aren't quite don't quite understand. You know, you could go to the beach, right? And you're like, ah, oh, you know what? I just I'm all sandy, and it's just you know, um, sand's sand's not where it's supposed to be, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, let's get this off of the body, and I can understand that if that's the case try to get unchlorinated as cold as you can and don't soak. you know, just get a quick rinse and try to, you know, keep those oils on there. Don't let them strip away with the, the chemicals and the heat. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so, um, how anyhow. long, how long would someone need to wait after sunbathing before they could actually take a shower? 24 hours. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's the, that's a recommendation. Yep. 24 hours. Okay. So many of us experience anxiety and stress. And to be honest, I've always been one of those people who tends more towards anxiety. So I've always looked for hacks like breathing techniques and the foods I should eat to optimize my body to reduce anxiety. But one thing that's super important is getting quality sleep to lower our stress levels, lower anxiety. But what can happen is when we try to go to sleep, that will flare up again and then we're anxious and we have a hard time falling asleep, our mind is racing and it kind of becomes this cycle and we have insomnia. So if you can relate to this in any way, this is important for you to listen to. This might really help you out because if you're not sleeping again, you're not really healing from anything, you're not going to be 
as energized and healthy the next day. And a lack of sleep is going to cause weight gain, fatigue, cognitive issues, hormone imbalances, and so on. So there's this company called Baloo, and they have 100% cotton, chemical-free, weighted blankets. And these blankets, seriously, they feel like a firm hug when you put them on. And what this does is this soothes your nervous system and will alleviate any stress and anxiety. And when that happens, we actually increase our serotonin production, which is our happy hormone. And then our serotonin actually converts into melatonin, which signals our bodies that it's time to go to sleep. So using the Baloo weighted blankets can help you get a restful night's sleep and allow your body to do the natural healing and repair it needs during the night. And you are going to feel so much less stress, less anxiety, and you will have such a better night's sleep when you're using this weighted blanket. And it's amazing for daytime too, if you're ever wanting to just cuddle up and take a nap or watch a movie and have this blanket on you, it feels amazing and secure. So you can find a link to their website in the show notes. What are your thoughts on, I have so many questions about this, Um, sunscreen. Should like, is sunscreen blocking people's vitamin D absorption? Um, Should they be using sunscreen? Should they wait a little bit before they put it on? What what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think all of the above. So if you're going to use it, right, we want to, we want to definitely wait to put it on. We want to get at least that 20 minutes of exposure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's another nuance. Uh, Rachel, I hear that all the t- this all the time from my clients is basically, hey, I'm getting plenty of vitamin D because I go outside with, you know, a short sleeve shirt and shorts on, right? Well, that little bit of area on your calves and your forearms is such small surface area that you aren't going to capture a whole lot of vitamin D from that area, I promise you that. So we really do need to expose large surface areas. That's why we always re- uh, recommend at least the belly you know, in the back, right? Those are going to be your area, the big surface areas. However, would it be better for you to do sunbathing nude? Absolutely. Because you're not going to sun starve any of your parts, you mm-hmm. know, which I think is a very important thing uh, because we do, we are light beings too. I mean, we do need a lot of light to really help us be optimally healthy, but anyhow, back to your sunscreen scenario, sunscreen is massively toxic. And this is one of those areas that I'm like, I so wish, again, the real information would come out because what we've heard so much about is skin cancer being, uh, you know, a big problem, right? Well, guess what? We know that the chemicals that people are running on their skin are actually actually carcinogenic. So those are actually the problem. It's not the sun. The sun isn't a problem unless we're overdoing it, right? We're burning all the time. We're burn, peel, burn, peel. And so we really do need to be responsible about the, the, the chemicals. Um, uh, just, so you, just so you know, this, uh, this is pretty cool, Rachel, is that years ago, I read Mark Sesson's book and it was called Primal Connection. Okay? Mm-hmm. This, is, this was like a second or third or whatever book. Of, and, and he had said in there that there was a doctor that his entire career, he studied genes. That was all he did. And I believe it was Dr. Watson. And that seems to make sense to me. But anyhow, one of the things that Dr. Watson uh, had found out is that with optimal vitamin D, and this is what we need to realize is that vitamin D from the sun is already sulfated, meaning that it's already active in the body. It's not like our supplements that's unsulfated that we have to do this with our body, right? Mm -hmm. 
So optimal vitamin D that's basically active in the body coming from sun, Dr. Watson found out that it stimulated a gene in our body. So it turned on a good gene called Palm C, right? So this is what you and I are after all the time, Rachel. We want this epigenetic response, right? We want this good response. Well, it turns on this good response of this Palm C and with, with the activation of Palm C completely shuts down and shuts off melanoma in the, in the skin. Mm. Right? So here we are, right? We're blaming sunshine, but really where should the blame probably be placed is probably the sunscreen, right? Because mm -hmm. guess what? So many times, um, sunscreen isn't what we call broad spectrum. It doesn't take out all of vitamin or uh, UVA and all of UVB. So when you get the UVB blocked and you're basically blocking out this, you know, um, the, the burn, right? You're blocking out the burn. Guess what? You're allowing hours and hours and hours and hours of stuff to come in, which is the UVA. So you didn't get vitamin D to protect yourself from, from, um, for, for health, right? Didn't protect yourself from disease, but you allowed massive amounts of oxidizing, free radical damaging of UVAs to come in. Now we know again, UVAs in moderate doses is also very good. I read an article years ago that basically UVA helps us with uh, producing nitric oxide. Mm -hmm. Nitric oxide is huge, right? For keeping the blood vessels dilated and it's the awesome heart tonic and all this, right? For circulation. So we do need, we, again, we're, we're light beings. I think that sunscreen is a disaster. Now, guess what, Rachel, if you do it, let's utilize, they make now great formulas out there. Let's utilize the ones that use the zinc, mm -hmm. zinc oxide that would basically be a block. It would be a complete barrier for UVA and UVB. But what I'm a bigger fan of is get your exposure and then put clothes on, you know, totally block yourself, you know, get yourself a big sun hat, get yourself some nice, um, you know, uh, sun shirts, you know, block that out, you know, completely. And then you don't have to rub any of that stuff on you and you don't have to, um, but again, remember face, you can't fully block out. So that'd be a perfect place to really uh, block the, you know, with the zinc. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is such good information. So the sun coming, the sun vitamin D is sulfated when it gets into our body, but when we get it from a supplement, it's not. So would you say that people should not take vitamin D supplements? Are they not getting a benefit? Are there dangers of taking a vitamin D supplement? You know, what's interesting is, is that I, for some reason, you know, and I don't know where I got this basically um, really big perspective of like, I, I don't want to take vitamin D from cholecalciferol lanolin, right? So cholecalciferol is what we're going to find in, in also fish oil, but I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't believe that we probably should be doing this um, a little bit unnatural scenario where we take sheep wool and we irradiate it. And then we've got this supposed vitamin D that's what lanolin is, right? The, the norm, almost all, all of it is super inexpensive, you know, now I, I just don't feel like that's, this is the way to go. And as you were talking about Morley Robbins, right? He's talking about, you know, vitamin D can be basically that antagonist that would actually uh, interfere with our copper absorption. And so I don't think that we probably ought to be doing massive amounts. However, there is a situation where not everybody's able to do this sun exposure. I mean, unfortunately, right, our work schedules aren't 
aren't conducive to this, right? You know, you're typically working during those maximum daylight hours. Mm -hmm. And so some people aren't just going to be able to say, hey, I'm going to go nude sunbathe, uh, you know, out on the parking lot of my corporation, right? I mean, that's just not going to happen, right? And so anyhow, um, this is uh, certainly why I wanted to create, you know, my uh, an, an opportunity for me to work from home, right? For that, one of the, that's one of the reasons, right? Is to control my ability to do that. And so I'm really thankful I can do that. But um, when it comes to vitamin D supplements, what I think should happen is, is certainly try your hardest to gain what you can from the sun, even if it's on the weekends and you're trying to gain that as much as possible. From there, try to get the natural form that we would have in the first place, right? If you're going to be able to eat organ meats, let's eat organ meats. If you're able to not eat organ meats, then let's get a fish oil that's derived from the liver of the fish, right? So anyhow, that's what I ended up doing is if, if I have to boost my vitamin D at all, you know, it, it will be from basically capsules that are strictly fish, liver oil, vitamin D, it's concentrated instead of, you know, if you just take cod liver oil, you're going to get some, but it's not going to be very much. Mm. Okay, awesome. Uh, we don't have much time left, but I want to see if we can touch on this topic a little bit, because I think it's really interesting that you're doing this in your own life currently. Um, I want to talk about environmental toxins and you've shared some information with me about building your house from the ground up right now. I'm pretty sure you're still working on things currently, but you've told me about some specific building materials you've used and just you're, you're really building your house in a unique way that I feel like most people have no clue about. So can you just share a little bit more about what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. You know, I, I am still currently in, as you can see behind me, there's still vapor barrier that separates me from the garage, right? So that's what you're seeing there. And um, anyhow, um, but yeah, so Rachel, one of the things that uh, people aren't aware of is that they are um, in a, in, they're built in a home, right? That not only is an EMF box, okay? So basically electromagnetic frequencies are, are basically surrounding because basically wiring, right? Wiring's on the ceiling for the lights, wiring's in the walls for the outlets. This is already one of my concerns. So one of the things that I've done is, is that I've put all of my wiring, and you're right, I've built it from the ground up myself, my wife and I, um, but anyhow, I put all the wiring in conduit. So now the, con the, the wiring is basically blocked from, you know, basically being able to shed electric and magnetic fields, right? So that's really kind of the big deal. Um, then even, even to the extent, Rachel, of basically putting metal outlet covers on, so therefore normally they're plastic, just again, stopping that EMF that's inside of that box. So using metal boxes, metal um, conduit that all the wiring and then metal outlet covers. So everything's basically blocked. Um, so far checking with my meter, fabulous. I have just zero magnetic fields, zero um, electric fields in the house. And then, of course, I wired everything for the um, internet. So, and then I went a step further, and instead of using just regular Ethernet in the walls, I actually used um, grounded and shielded Ethernet cables. So, this is just another step to basically knock down that. But one of the biggest problems that there really is ultimately, Rachel, is really it comes down to sheetrock. That is really the biggest problem of all. And I am not going to use an ounce of that in my home, not even 
the least bit. That is a straight mold food, no matter what, because what happens is, is that you and I have water in the walls of our house. That's just the way it's going to be. Always. We're going to have water that's hidden there. That's going to run to every single faucet. It's going to, you know, go to every single drain. And there is going to be inevitably, probably a leak someday, right in your home. Well, what if, what if we, instead of basically feeding mold, right, which is exactly what we're going to immediately do as soon as water hits that sheetrock, it immediately starts to mold. Okay. What if instead we put a material up that could never be affected by water, no matter if you soaked it in there, but not only that is it's stronger than sheetrock dramatically. And so that product's been used for a hundred years in mostly Asia, but it's all over the place, but it's magnesium oxide board that um, is uh, essentially almost like a concrete board. The beautiful part about it is that you can take magnesium oxide board that's basically made out of magnesium oxide supplements. If you want to say you could grind that up and you could feed it to your garden. I mean, it is non-toxic. Um, you, you can even consume it if you make sure that you, you've bought a form that isn't, you know, um, toxic in any way, shape and form, but uh, that's never the goal, right? The goal is not to grind this up and feed it to our garden or ourselves. That's not, we can do that. We can get magnesium other places. Our goal is to basically protect ourselves from mold exposure, because that's really going to be the, the big deal. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, the other thing is, is that you might think about is um, I didn't build my house with a crawl space, right? So that's another area that can get moist and just trap moisture. And then any type of wood materials that you're using, particle boards, which I won't use, you know, um, will um, also trap that, you know, moisture and so forth. Speaking of particle board, uh, much of our world is made of that, you know, when it comes to our homes, right? You can have that as your shelving. You can have that as your kitchen cabinets. And guess what, uh, Rachel, that actually produces a lot or has a lot of formaldehyde. So it produces a lot of outgassing. So you want to protect yourself in any way, shape and form from off-gassing. I will never have carpet in my home again. I mean, that is, yeah. that's an off-gassing nightmare for at least seven years. You're going to have that. I've heard of stories where individuals um, seem to have okay health. You and I know that they're probably in that metabolic chaos, right? But they don't fully, but they seem to have pretty decent health. They put in brand new carpet throughout the home and they got diagnosed with some kind of nasty because it was just that one more stressor that pushed them over into probably that disease state of some sort or, you know, they've got some kind of major neurological issue. I've heard stories about that. So, so anyhow, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that off gassing, but um, anyhow, the other thing I've done too, is I've made sure that my entire home on the exterior is all steel framing and steel siding and steel roofing, because I want none of that to basically be um, a, an area for, um, you know, uh, basically mold or, you know, um, uh, water penetration or whatever. And Rachel, here's the coolest part of it all. Okay. Is I've been able to find a way to do all of my venting through a sidewall, because that's where the problem is, is that when you have <laughs> penetrations, you just opened up your opportunity right there for you to leak through the roof someday, somehow when your caulking dries out, when your flashing doesn't work, whatever it is. And I've been able to go through all the sidewalls, you know? So anyhow, those are just some, some examples, but um, you know, we did a lot of other things to make it energy efficient and no thermal bridging through the concrete and on and on. But um, yeah, I'm really passionate about um, if you're going to do it, build the environment healthy for you long-term or else 
um, you know, we're going to probably pay the consequences, right? Uh, Rachel, I think you and I really understand this to the, to the core of our beings, but um, you either are going to spend the money now, okay, on health, or you're going to be forced to spend the money later on sickness. And that's just the way it is. And I don't care who you are. And so we have to, we have to understand that. And so that's what it's going to, you know, came down to, right? It's spending the money now to make it right on the home. So mm -hmm. I don't have to spend the money later to fix my health, right? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I wanted to make sure we cover that because again, it's something that most people do not think about at all with their houses. Um, so super inspiring. It's something I've also wanted to do. I've, I remember listening to some podcast years ago about someone kind of talking about the same thing and building their home. And I was like, man, I can't wait till I can make this amazing, like health proof house one day too. So, uh, well, we're out of time, but I do want to ask one more question, which I ask everybody. And that is if you could leave the listeners with one thing that they could do, maybe even today or this week that could help them start living a healthier, happier life. What would that be? You know, uh, Rachel, it's uh, it's not something that I've talked about right in this, which is kind of crazy because all the stuff we talked about would be amazing, right? To mm -hmm. get some vitamin D and so forth. But um, one of the things that impacted my health dramatically, and I can't encourage people to do it enough, is get some cold exposure. You know, mm -hmm. go to your coldest lake, your coldest stream, your coldest shower, and just get some cold exposure. We need that. You know, it's another one of those signals from to our you know our epigenetic signals that are going to, and it's not easy. I understand that. But when you get done, you will feel like a new person and you will feel vibrant and you will feel healthy. And um, we do need that blood vascular tone, but we also need that, you know, super good circulation and that stimulation of the body. It's, um, it's amazing. So yeah, let's go cold exposure. Okay. That's a good one. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. If we missed anything, feel free to share it really quickly and then let everybody know where they can find you if they want to learn more, if they want to even work with you possibly. Yeah. You know, well, um, I don't know that I've missed anything as you can see, I'm quite the talker, but I, uh, definitely, um, want everyone to just live the optimally as healthy life possible. I can't, uh, strive for that enough, but, uh, anyhow, I am at uh, seriousaboutwellness.com, and mm -hmm. you can also find that same website just by going to dustinmcfarland.com. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm passionate about helping people. I want so badly everybody to live their optimal life. And so, but Rachel, thank you so much for this opportunity. I love to get the word out and start to just change people's perspectives a little bit, you know, that uh, we can live a better life and we don't have to just trust the, you know, um, the talking heads basically out there, right? We can, we can make our own decisions. We can start to experiment ourselves and live our best life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we talked about some really controversial topics today and some you shed a lot of eye-opening information. So thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And if so, please make sure you leave a comment and rating on whatever podcast platform you're using and share this episode with a friend who needs to hear it. Please remember that this podcast is not meant to treat, cure, or prevent any illness. Always talk to your healthcare provider before implementing any nutrition, lifestyle, or supplement changes you hear about on this podcast. Now, before I go, I want to talk more about how I may be able to help you. 
If you are someone who is sick of running from doctor to doctor, not getting any answers, but you still know something is wrong, functional medicine is the way for you to go. I have worked with so many people who have been dismissed by doctors, who have experienced things like anxiety, hair loss, PMS, brain fog, eczema, bloating, and other GI issues, and more. But when I run functional medicine labs on these people, we actually find the root causes of what's going on. And this might be things like hidden gut infections, toxic heavy metals, mold, leaky gut, and vitamin and mineral deficiencies. And then with this information, we're able to make nutrition, lifestyle changes, and custom supplementation and herbal protocols, which actually helps these people get rid of their symptoms. I've seen clients reverse rheumatoid arthritis, alopecia areata, IBS, and other complex health issues. And I've also seen clients who thought they were generally healthy level up into an optimized and energetic version of themselves that they didn't even know they could access. So wherever you're at with your health, you can book a free health consultation with me by going to the link in the show notes or by heading over to naturalhealthrising.com and book a call there right now so that you can start feeling like yourself again, happy and energized. Okay, that's all I have for you today. Keep tuning in every week to gain more knowledge on how to live your healthiest, happiest life. And make sure to follow me on TikTok and Instagram for additional health information.